Hey, what's up? David Scales here for the Surf Splendor Network, bringing you an all-new episode of The Grit today for February 5th, 2018. Before I do, I just want to give a shout-out to Album Surfboards. Albumsurf.com was where we recorded today's episode, and we had kind of a last-minute scheduling change, and the shaper at Album, Matt, was um, gracious enough to accommodate us with very little notice. So check out Albumsurf.com. You've seen Josh Kerr writing their boards. Um, They do a lot of a little bit of everything, asymmetricals, um, guns, really interesting alternative short boards, high-performance short boards, all sorts of really beautiful boards. They run one of the best glass shops in Southern California, Lights Out Glassing. So really cool stuff, albumsurf.com. Thank you for that, Matt, for hosting us. And then also, I just wanted to ask that you support the brands that support this show. And today's episode is brought to you by Health IQ. Com. You've heard me talk about them in the last couple of episodes. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor is where you go to save money on life insurance. HealthIQ is a life insurance agency that offers savings for living a healthy lifestyle. We're all aware that better drivers receive better auto insurance rates based on their driving record. HealthIQ is offering the same principle to the world of life insurance. This is something directly designed to benefit you and I as surfers. Much of their data for their mortality model was based on running, cycling, swimming, kind of broader athletic categories, but I was able to provide some insights for them as to what's involved in athletically in surfing and some other things that I do to support my lifestyle like diet and yoga. And as it turns out, surfers are Health IQ's ideal demographic. So I don't have to tell you, but physically active people have lower risk of heart disease, lower risks of cancer. So that's how Health IQ is able to offer better rates. Simply put, healthy people live longer. So obviously, you have to prove your health to Health IQ, so you have to qualify. And they have a real thorough criteria for how to assess your level of health. And you can determine if you qualify at healthiq.com slash surfsplendor. If you need life insurance, check it out. If you already have life insurance, do me a favor and go get a quote. Just see if they can save you money. They are no joke. They are the fastest growing life insurance company in the U.S. with over $8 billion now in coverage. Tremendous customer reviews. They've been covered in the press, in Forbes, on CNBC. I will tell you a little bit more at the end of the show. But in the meantime, pause this podcast. Go over to healthiq.com slash surfsplendor and save yourself money today. Thanks. All right, Chaz Smith, welcome back to uh, The Grit for February 5th, 2018. I didn't think I was going to get invited back. You didn't? I mean, kind of, yeah. I thought, I thought, well, that was fun while it lasted, was what I truly thought leaving that day. Why'd you, uh, post-debate, you mean? Po- post-debate, yeah. Post-debate. Post-debate. I thought that was the end. You thought I was offended? My delicate sensibilities were offended by the whole kerfuffle. I didn't think you were offended at the time, but I think as it settled that uh, it was reflecting poorly and that you might have been thinking, well, that's not really worth it to to keep on going here. Who do you think it reflected poorly on? I think me, mostly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, um, my view of it from the, I mean, 
I guess not from the outside, from the inside, but just watching it play out online, was it reflected equally poorly on you and Ashton? I think you both got an equal amount of uh, vitriol and support. And then I feel I got a little bit of negative feedback about like, the problem was I had just published an episode with Jamie Brissick. That was epic. That was so heartfelt, yeah. you know, and like yeah. earnest and sincere and all this stuff. And then the the debate was the polar opposite. And so I think people felt a real um, contrast between those two styles of episodes, which for me just made me realize if I'm creating these different shows, I need them to all exist on their own podcast sure. feed. So I already did actually migrate the grit onto its own feed and I'll continue publishing it on the main feed until everybody knows and transitions over the audience won't get lost, but it just makes sense to have them on separate feeds. I'm, I was kind of remiss by not having done it until then. Sure. Well, I mean, I guess that to me, you know, I mean, a heartfelt episode with Jamie Brissick where he's actually telling awesome stories and, and you're learning all this stuff, you know, is completely beautiful. Uh, the grit was never that, I don't think. Or no. that's, it's definitely not me either. Like, I'm tawdry, tawdry low-hanging fruit. And completely. so that's, that's, that's what I do. That's where I live. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about the debate for a few minutes because we haven't seen each other since then. It's been a long time. And that wasn't to do with the ugliness of the episode. It was just to do with you were out of town and all sorts of stuff was happening, scheduling issues. Um, what are your thoughts looking back at it? Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I'm not embarrassed. I'm, I'm, I would do the same thing again today or tomorrow, but, um, yeah, like I think I behaved, didn't behave horribly, but uh, I mean, yeah, I behaved both horribly and also didn't do a good job of representing like how, what I like about Beach Grit, and also I did a poor job of representing why stab a shit. Okay. So I was... It, I, it devolved into something where it just became very... It seemed very personal. Yeah. Whereas I think that there was a lot um, that we didn't get around to in regard to what the strengths are and weaknesses are of your guys' respective websites. Sure, totally, yeah. totally, yeah. And it was, you know, I don't know. I don't like Ashton. I still don't like him. I think he's a big baby. Uh, and so my personal animosity toward Ashton obviously took over and then but it but it totally yeah i you know presidential debates or anybody who can debate well it's a real skill mm. um and it's a skill that i am awful at uh and so yeah and yeah i and, think he got he kind of found himself in the same space as well but i think ashton did a i think ashton did a way better job of of you know at least stating his position i mean i, I find it. ashton horribly like passive aggressive in the worst way possible i think is is Ashton's defining characteristic. Uh, and so I really dislike the way he does things, but at the same time, he did a way better job than me of actually, in between passive aggressive barbs, did a way better job of, of setting Stab up and, and making Stab kind of aspirational, which, you know, God bless him for that, because to me, Stab is not aspirational. But then again, I did a horrible job of poking holes in why I think, why I think it matters that Stab is shit, right? Yeah. Like, I think I screamed the case that stab is shit, but I didn't, I didn't go off and say, you know, exactly why and exactly why uh, it matters that stab is shit. Yeah. I feel like I agree with ever, with your assessment of Ashton. And I think that he did kind of debate better, so to speak, but you took the Donald Trump approach, which was just like, I'm just going to say it louder and continue to poke fun yeah. and that will <laughs> reign supreme, you know? But I think that, I think that you actually are more articulate and I, not not more articulate than Ashton, but more articulate than you were on that show. Sure. And I think you have the ability to certainly be a more critical thinker than you were on that show. Oh, yeah. And so I, mean, I would have not. liked to have seen some of that stuff. But 
when people have asked me about it, um, I was like, you know, I like both of those guys. My only issue is Chaz comes out and says, I'm here to shit on stab. And then he proceeds to shit on stab. So it's kind of like you get, you almost give him a free pass at that point, even though I'm not for, uh, I don't know, shitting on other publications. Like I want everybody to be nice. I give you a free pass because you said you're going to do something and then you follow through and do it. Ashton, on the other hand, comes out and goes, hey, I want to really elevate and be asper- elevate surfing and writing and be aspirational and do all these things. And then 20 minutes later, your wife pays your bills for you. Yeah. And, po- and so it's, it, you mentioned passive aggressiveness. It comes across very passive aggressive and also just insincere. Yeah. So I do think that Ashton has those high-minded ideals. And I do believe he's operating towards those on a daily basis at STAB. But I do feel like he had a lot of personal animosity towards you and just issues from you guys working together in the past. And maybe the, uh, certainly the way you guys run your business and poke fun at STAB. And those bubbled up under, and I'm think, and I feel like he was unaware that there was a lack of self awareness that he didn't know it was bubbling up, and that he was now fighting that fight instead of. I, I would imagine though he still he is still unaware. To me, Ashton is fairly unaware, like definitely of himself. Where I think Ashton truly believes that in whatever the best version of Ashton is, whereas I guess I know. I mean, not that it's a to my credit thing, but I think I know my base poor behavior like is exactly what it is yeah i'm a rotten seed well there's a number of things that have transpired since then um first of all i feel like those articles got more engagement on beach grit than anything i've seen in a long time right there's a lot of yeah a lot of comments i think part of that is you know it was always kind of what i was hoping for i mean it was executed very poorly on my behalf but this is what i was the end result was something akin to what i was hoping for right is this kind of cross pollination of people going back and forth to each other's uh publications or not not the publications uh, uh, you know each other's websites and then engaging with uh the other people already there which for a moment there to me it was really fun and it and it had actually worked right so mm-hmm. i think a lot of those comments on beach grit i mean a good many of them were from uh, as later discovered were from stab both stab staffers and stab stab staffers girlfriends and wives coming in uh, uh anonymously and trying to poke which i you know i even love that right like that yeah i mean i think ashton's i mean this is shifting shifting a little bit but i think that um uh i feel stab's really gone to war against what they uh term you know the anonymous anonymous troll or whatever right and, and i've written about this before but even since in the last couple of days uh stab has i think ostensibly killed its disgust um, accounts the the way that you typically comment there and are going to a Facebook model. They're exploring it anyway. Yeah, I mean, for, in the short term, they've yeah. killed it, right? Yeah. Uh, and are exploring this new Facebook model, not that they won't go back. But I think Stab has always had this real uneasy relationship with its commenters or the people who comment there, which Beach Grit never has, right? I think Beach Grit, the commenters are Beach Grit, right? This is, it's just, we've built this platform that people can come and say not anything they want. I mean, there's, there's obviously people get, you know, edited for being really mean or, or really stupid, but generally, you know, I think beach goods community, that's what it is where stab doesn't seem that's what it is. And, and is really, really trying to get away from that more and more and more. And, you know, but back to this cross pollination, uh, I think that's why it, I was really happy about that. I was really happy that there was this, 
this kind of conversation happening at least in in Beechcrit's comments. I I really agree. The um, you have to initially the ugliness of it. You know, you have to reconsider whether or not there was a different way to do it. But in the end, I feel like the ugliness, the bad taste will leave everybody's mouth, and the engagement that it generated only um, amounts to more audience more clicks, more everything. And if you can retain that audience through, you know, ongoing and consistent work, then that's really all that matters. And I, I know we've talked about the idea of there's no such thing as bad publicity. And I really kind of believe that more and more and more. And I, again, there was a different way we could have done the debate that would have the exact same amount of engagement that would also offer insight into media and the way media operates, blah, 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 blah. Now we're better. Now we're wiser. We'll do that moving forward or we'll attempt to, but realistically, yeah, I'm all for it. Like, I think it was good for everybody. For, for me too, like uh, my whole entire surf, you know, riding life, like I've always wanted the surfers to do more interesting things. Like, Hey, if Jeremy Flores is there and you're just had a heat with him and he's walking up the sand, taunting you, like, you know, throw the mic down and run over and, and try to strangle him. And I mean, yeah. to me, that makes, not that I want surfing to be the WWE, but when people, you know, really are passionate about something and let their passions fly from time to time in, uh, that's what I want from surfing a lot more than the, you know, forever, my whole life, I've wanted that more than the conservative buttoned up. Let's pretend this is, you know, that we're Bobby Martinez's tennis tour. Uh, it's not what surfing is and that historically has not, is not what it's been. Right. Um, and so for me to come in here and be calm and collected, you know, versus Ashton, I thought would have been hypocritical. Of course, sure. I behaved badly. Of course, uh, I spoke, you know, horribly uh, and, and didn't debate well. But at the very least, it was, it was kind of interesting and or it was least interesting for me. Um, you mentioned stab commenters going on beach grit kind of buried the lead there can you explain what happened because i was unaware of that until now oh yeah yeah uh, we had a bunch of uh, a big influx of course of commenters coming on on those stories right and um many of course i don't expect people to praise me or like me at all like i love that we've talked about it on the show i think before about how criticism is far greater than or, or far more valuable than praise in terms of you know what you can take away from it um the some of the most valuable comments i i went on to surf splendors uh your websites and read the comments there and i think they were you know 90 percent critical of me and the way i handle myself and it was really it was great to read right it was great mm -hmm. to read how this thing how this thing came across to somebody else and it's all very valuable or i thought that was all very valuable uh, the ones on Beach Grit were kind of less valuable, and I was wondering why, and come to find out, due to the science of IP addresses and things like that, uh, that most of them, or many of them, not the, not many of the negative comments, but many of the ones that were just kind of pointedly defending STAB stupidly, uh, were either STAB people who work for STAB or people's wives or, or people who work for STAB's wives or girlfriends. Uh, and then the, the pinnacle one was the adjunct professor who I was told it was uh, Ashton's IP address or, or that the, the adjunct professor, yeah, shared an IP address that Ashton had used before, right? Uh, and so I called out Ashton for being the adjunct professor and he maybe was. Uh, I don't know that he wasn't necessarily, but he texted me after that and said, take that IP address down, it's my girlfriend, <laughs> which 
if it was his girlfriend swinging in and fighting his battles after all of that, I mean, to me, that was almost, that would have been the peak. The ultimate irony. The ultimate irony and almost the peak of this whole thing. This whole thing hasn't played out, by the way, just to tease something else. But yeah, that was the, that was the, at the, at the time, the, the ultimate irony. Yeah, that is amazing. So um, you're obviously just tracking IP addresses don't give you somebody's identity per se. No. Well, and this is the whole thing. So I entered like, you know, when I published that, I thought it was funny. Uh, Of course, it's hilarious, right? I mean, if you're going to go do something like that, if you're going to comment as Ashton and then go back and comment as the adjunct professor to say things that are critical, uh, it's all fine and good, but you better cover your tracks just a little bit more than that, right? I mean, I think IP addresses are publicly available, really easy to find and really easy to... To, yeah, you know, I mean, you can't really hide from it, um, which was <laughs> another thought that I have uh, is I'm just shocked that they're engaging, like that Ashton's still engaging. But so, like I'm, one thing I stated real mildly in an episode I did with Scott Bass was Ashton was the one who asked for the debate. Yeah. You didn't say, hey, I want to debate stab Ashton contact. When I talked to him last time I saw him, he was like, hey. Um, I would love to get together and debate with Chaz at some point. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll think about it. So I pitched it to you and you're like, yeah, absolutely. So I thought about it and what my role would be. And I was like, I'm down for this. This is, this will be interesting. So he chose to engage in it, which in my mind, I think Ashton there, I, I like the work that stab is doing. I think they should focus on their work, keep their blinders on and keep moving. And the fact that he wanted to engage, I thought was, I didn't see the real benefit for him in it. And then after the fact, especially the way you handled yourself, if I was him, I'd be like, well, done with that. I'm moving forward. We're doing great work. I'm going to move forward in this direction. So the fact that in the fallout, they're still going on to Beach Grit and commenting and really just putting more gas on the fire, I think is a misstep. See, I think they, I think that's the problem. And I think Negatron are, you know, dear beloved Negatron at Beach Grit, um, the guy who looks after our comment section uh, said it very well in one of his comments is this is what happens when you have an embargo about talking about somebody, right? There's an embargo at Stab about talking about Beach Grit. They won't mention Beach Grit. They won't say the words Beach Grit. They won't have anything to do with Beach Grit. And so you have all this pressure, I think, that builds up in these people where they're angry about what's happening on Beach Grit. Since they're not going to talk about it at Stab, then it just shoots out the sides, which is this crazy, not crazy, but very silly uh, anonymous comment kind of thing, right? Right. And again, insincere. Yeah. And some like where you can just come out and say exactly state what your purpose is and follow through with it. Yeah, it looks insincere. Sure. So if they want to, if they really are mad about it, and I totally agree, it, it would serve them best probably to keep their blinders on and just keep doing what they're doing yeah. and, and keep circling the drain. Uh, but for, yeah, if you're not going to do that, then have the guts to put it on your page. Have the guts right. to actually say what you what you feel instead totally. of instead of being a, a silly little mouse about it. Speaking of Negatron, he pointed out to me that you and Derek started a pre Beach Grit website called Like Bitchin. Yeah, which he argues is a far better name than Beach Grit. What's the story with Like? We Bitchin? did. We we started Like Bitchin, and it was totally awesome. Like Bitchin was a good name. Uh, it was a good website. What was the what was first of all? What was like bitchin? And like bit, like bitchin was basically beach grit, like a a you know early rendition of beach grit, uh, and it was. Um, I think we wanted to do like kind of longer form arty stories. Like both of us started the great unfinished surf novel, uh, and we're writing our own surf novels on like bitchin. We also had airline reviews, uh, like really in depth airline reviews. We had a yeah a bunch of a bunch of different stuff, and then. 
Yeah, I can't remember why we killed it, but there, there was something happened that we had to rip it down, the entire thing, and disappear it. Oh, really? I like think so. Something legal? or It wasn't legal. It was just something like that was going to be reflect poorly. I think it was maybe after the Mick Fanning thing. It was something that was going to reflect poorly back on me and Derek if we didn't get the thing huh. gone right away. And so how much longer until Beach Grip popped up? Uh, we probably killed like Bitchin and then probably three years later Beach Grip popped oh, up. Oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe two years. Yeah. So, I missed that completely. Yeah, like Bitchin. Like Bitchin was, yeah, early on. I think it was like a, it was, if I recall, it was on even one of those like blog like platform things like it was Blogspot. early it was something or like something? that yeah funny yeah uh was it while derek was still at stab yeah derek was still okay. at stab interesting but derek wasn't derek was editor at stab but i think at that point derek had already sold a share and it was just a, it was an outlet a creative outlet mostly for both of us just to just to actually have fun hmm. and yeah and it was a lot of fun funny um all right, well, lots to catch up on, dude. Not only the debate stuff, Surf Ranch, we're allowed to talk about we now. We can talk about Surf Ranch. I know, I'm so not much sure. To catch up on. I know. Um, do we go straight to Surf Ranch? Or? Sure. Okay, Surf Ranch. You said you would never go. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to pull audio clips from that episode. Mm. Dude, you were talking so much crap about totally. Surf Ranch. Yep. I got an invite through email, and my invite said, be very discreet about this. Yeah. And so I didn't know if you had gotten invited and I didn't know if it was okay to even ask you if you had gotten invited. And then I was like, even if he got invited, there's no chance he would go because I asked him if he would go and he said, no chance. Yeah, no chance. Explain yourself. Yeah, what I love most in my entire writing career is being able to be proven wrong. Like I really truly love to say what I feel honestly. Like it's not like I'm doing it artificially or that I'm that it's that it's a false emotion. Like I really, when Surf Ranch came online, I loathed the idea of Surf Ranch. I loathed everything about it. You know, everything about it was distasteful to me. Um, when I got the invitation, I thought, well, I have to go now because I have to go actually test it, right? Like it would be easier for me to stay on the high horse. Maybe not easier, but rhetorically it's easier, right? And I totally appreciate Travis Frey. Cause Travis Frey, uh, from what youth said, I will never ride it. You couldn't pay me enough to ride the thing. Travis Frey got an invite, uh, to come surf, surf ranch and said, Nope, I'm, I'm standing on principle and God bless Travis and God bless his principle. Uh, for me though, to be able to go and be proven utterly wrong, um, would have been, a you know, a great glory that, that I had to go, I had to go at least try to be proven wrong. You're claiming that you're going just to, you know, be proven wrong. Kind of. There was no childlike desire to just go experience the wave and get barreled. Uh, I mean a little bit. Yeah. A little bit to go surf it. Right. Of course it's a fun thing to do, but it's also, um, I don't know. It's not like a, what I mean, the whole the whole situation of it though is pretty stressful and whatever. Like you're going with a bunch of surf journalists. Like the whole, it's not like purely only fun. It's not this no. giddy. Oh, we're opening up wave the wave surf ranch just for you. You go have as much fun as you want and then clock out. Right. Yeah. I mean, it was a it was a scheduled serious. And I mean, there the the whole surf ranch team WSL every one of them was beyond gracious and generous. Totally. Um, to let us all do that. But it's still, you know, I mean, it wasn't just fun. Yeah. So you and I went on different days. Uh, the WSL's intention was this to do a media day. And there's more media than can 
fit at, in just one day. So they segmented it off into two groups. It was basically Australian surf media for the most part. Actually. No, you guys had the inner show. I mean, oh, for me, it was. For you guys. It was, yeah, it was us, Beach Grit. I mean, us, Beach Grit. It was Beach Grit, Von Blakey, Nick Carroll, Sean Doherty. Um, Sal Masakela. Sal Masakela. Uh, and then the Surfline surf crew was there. Cote was there. So it was 50-50 okay. kind of split. Okay. Um, and then on our day, it was uh, Surfer Journal, Jake Howard, um, the Inertia guys, all the Stab guys, myself, Scott Bass, Warshaw, and Jamie Brissick. Um, and what was your we you and i talked about it a lot in advance about the anxiety leading up to it what was your experience pre surf ranch and then what was your experience there that day it, i mean it was it was a lot of fun right like the to me the best part of the whole thing was the mexican dinner the night before which oh, okay. you know wsl which I, i'm assuming you guys went to the same restaurant we did, yeah. It, yeah we had sophie though sophie goldschmidt was there for us okay the ceo um yeah but it was so fantastic because I've seen, of course, I've you know I've met Nick before. I met Vaughn before. I never met Sean Doherty. All these kind of lions of uh, surf journalism, um, if we can be called lions of surf journalism, <laughs> were there, right? And so that that day, it was this amazing party, kind of like not a mutual admiration society, but maybe a little bit. Like I was so excited just to hang, be hanging out and drinking margaritas with Nick Carroll and Derek and. Vaughn and Chris and all these guys that it was just that was like too much fun and then the next day you know showing up and getting down to business at Surf Ranch was also a lot of fun it was fun to watch those guys surf it was fun to surf it but it's also yeah it's I mean I called it a satanic mirror later on in Beach Grit which I, I truly believe that's kind of what it is for if you're a, if you surf at a certain level all it does all Surf Ranch does is expose your weaknesses you know, unless you had, if and we've talked about this too, if you had 50 waves at that thing, sure, you would dial it in, you would get a however many second barrel, but when are you ever going to get 50 waves at that thing? And so in six, the six or six to eight waves you're allotted, basically, all it's going to do is show you the worst parts of how you surf. Right. I agree. What, how many waves did you get? I caught, I caught four before I, dislo I dislocated my shoulder on the fourth wave. You and I talked about your shoulder dislocation on this show, and we were never able to reveal why yeah, yeah. this is why. Yep. Why do you think they um, made us sign the non-disclosure? I really don't know, because my my coverage of it definitely would have been more positive uh, right afterwards. I mean, I would have been, like, I was really, uh, as I, I wrote about, I was depressed for a while afterwards, right? Yeah. Like, there's something there was something really depressing about it to me and Derek too. Derek was so excited to go. I mean, Derek flew out from Australia for this one day, right? Where, you know, I just had to drive North, but right. Derek, Derek flew out, um, and had been so pro wave pool. And afterwards, after he had surfed it, he was fairly indifferent to it. So maybe that's why they put a embargo on to like let everybody cool off. But I don't know, to me, it, I think practically probably what the embargo for was for was that a lot of people had not surfed the surf ranch yet who should have surfed it before us. And so just not to have people come in and say, I can't believe Chaz Smith is there. That guy, all he does is cause problems right. and is a jerk and sh shits on this thing. And how is he surfing surf ranch before me? So right. practically that's why I think there was an embargo. Yeah, they did. They tell you why there was. I mean, an they told us they hey, we just wanted this is not work. We just want you to enjoy this. Right. We just want you to have a good time, et cetera, et cetera. Which maybe they did that too. But then they should have said they should have put on a perma embargo, right? Like you right. can never talk about your experience at that, Surf Ranch. That's what they told me too, and I thought it. 
didn't, it didn't make a lot of sense. Number one was, yeah, we just want you guys to have fun and not to be like making notes throughout the whole day, except we still were, yep. uh, or the diligent among us still were. Nick Carroll, Nick Carroll did not put his notebook down the entire yeah, day. Yeah. Same with Michael Ciamarella. Um, and then the other thing that they said was like, oh, we don't want everybody writing stories about it at the same time. Like we want you guys to be able to sit on this for a while and think about it and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, it doesn't achieve either of those goals. We're still taking notes and then we're all still going to publish stories yep. on February 1st. I think my personal thought was they're closing the pool for the wintertime. A lot of um, the team managers and brand people went through around the same time that we were going and they were publishing about it on social media. Pro surfers were going and publishing. They weren't going to have any um, press about the pool through the winter months that it was being closed. So I think they timed it so that we, they would get year-round uh, press coverage. They timed it so that we would talk about it now, and then by the time this kind of wears off, the pool will reopen again, and people will be visiting, and they'll continue the press cycle. That's smart. Know? That's smart. I mean, the one thing I would have liked to have, re, to have read uh, real kind of visceral reactions from people, yeah. where what I feel came out in the media was fairly canned. Uh, you know, I've thought about it for a long time. I mean, yeah. at least speaking for myself, I was so bored of thinking about it by the time it was actually time to write about it right. that I couldn't even muster enough, you know, gumption to, to write properly about it until long Tom Steve Shear uh, called me out for writing poorly. And then I really had to go back in and, and, you know, kind of dig something out of uh, to replicate how I felt. But I had, you know, I had so, I mean, it changes you in some way. Like there's something very profoundly different about surf ranch, what it exposes about yourself, what it means for surfing moving forward. That's where I thought that, uh, I totally overplayed or overestimated how much it will affect surfing moving forward. Really? I, I think, Oh yeah, I think so. I think that if you can surf, a, if you can surf away pool, that's fine. The ocean is way better. Uh, the wave that you'll get in a wave pool might be better, but you know, surfing is not, it kind of reinforced what I had already imagined about that. Surfing is about a lot more than riding a wave. Yeah. Yep. It is. Um, that said, I'm psyched on the experience. Like I had a blast. I'm actually really shocked at, um, a lot of people's negative response or like you said, Derek, just being kind of indifferent about it. Like I was not indifferent at all. I felt very psyched on the experience. Although, I didn't um, get as much out of, I didn't get to surf as many waves as I wanted to. And I never really got to open it up. Like I only got four waves. So to explain to listeners kind of the way the day worked was you were guaranteed to get four waves. You would be in priority position for two rights and two lefts, two waves per session. And it was an hour long session with you and four other people in the pool. So each person gets again, one right with priority. And then the, you go to the other end of the pool and get your left immediately after the right. And if you fall, that's your problem. If somebody else falls, you have the opportunity to poach a wave off of them, thereby increasing your wave count, which is, well, I guess you, you still got four. I, regardless. Po I, I poached one, uh, it, but I only surfed that. Did you guys have two sessions? Yes. Yeah. We had two sessions too. I only, I blew mine out at the, in the first se session, arm, but, yeah. but I had a, I had a poach and then I also kicked out of a wave, which right. is my proudest moment. So you got your two <laughs> priority waves and then one poach or two poached one that you kicked out of. I got, but we had, we had less people than you guys, I yeah. think per session too. So I had, I had one, I had three priority waves, one poach and yeah, on my third priority wave is when I blew okay. my shoulder. So 
I had my priority right in my first session. This is like 10, 20 in the morning, right? All the anticipation, all the hype, all that sort of stuff, sitting in the pool, completely flat lake. Everybody's behind you. There's guys or all the other surfers are in the water behind you, but then there's guys lining the pool, of course. They start counting it down. It's like all of that pressure that you felt for the month culminates with this countdown. That one minute countdown. One minute countdown. And then the machine starts chugging and it's this slow build and the wave starts coming. And it it is this pressure cooker situation. And I'm worried that I'm not going to catch a wave because I've seen Martin Potter not catch a wave, right? And then the wave comes, I'm paddling and it's like, oh, this feels pretty similar to the ocean. I catch the wave, I stand up, I'm like, oh, I don't know what I'm so nervous about. This feels very similar to the surfing experience. People talk about uh, or asked about it being fresh water as opposed to salt yeah, water. No you don't difference. notice any difference nope. at all. You don't need a special board for it. None of that. It was like, I'm standing up and I'm going and I'm like, oh, okay. I shouldn't, I don't need to feel the jittery nerves that I was feeling. Did like kind of a half turn off the top, positioned into the barrel and like getting barreled on the first wave, kind of catch a rail, making an adjustment and I fall. I come up kind of dejected, but think, oh, no big deal. I'll shake this off and catch another wave. No, I did not catch another wave. It's like I got another left, you know, um, uh, five minutes later, but I didn't get another right. As I'm like rethinking that barrel, I'm thinking, oh, okay, I can make this adjustment when the time comes. No big deal. I'll just poach a wave in a minute or two. Never got the opportunity to poach. The next opportunity for a right was four hours later yep. at 2.20 in the afternoon, at which point all those jitters and nerves had come back because I thought, well... I blew 50% of my opportunities on the right already. What if I blow this one? Yeah. Well, turns out I did blow it in a different way, but I blew it down the line further and then realized coming up from that wipeout, oh my God, that's it. It's yeah. over. All my opportunities are gone. Sure enough, wasn't able to poach another right in that session either. So I got four waves the whole day, uh, pretty much blew them all for all in- intents and purposes was found myself uh, driving home on the five the next morning going, that was it. My dream came and went and it's all over. And I didn't even get to make a barrel. Like it was, I had all of the gratitude in the world the day before and it was completely washed away by complete, I was like actually greedy the next day. Like, when can I get more? How can I get more? Can I write a check? Can I go back? Can I, what can I do? And I had to then, I surfed in Santa Barbara on my way home just to kind of Blow expel, off yeah, yeah, all of that energy. So it it brought out the best in me in terms of gratitude the day before, but then brought out the worst in me in terms of, I was so that satanic mirror that you're talking about. It was just, I, I was actually really dejected about my own performance ability, about what I didn't get versus like, I know other guys got eight waves. How come I only got four, you know? It was a... But I also recognize a lot of the blame is rests on my shoulders completely. Sure. You know? I mean, if we, if we were better surfers, then it'd be no yeah. problem. The, the thing, like my one takeaway was forget that barrel, right? Like I thought, like if I, would, if I was going to go back and do it again, I wouldn't even think about that barrel because that barrel section haunts you. Like the way the wave works, you know when it's coming. It barrels twice. They can throw different waves at you. So the first wave I caught, it didn't really barrel at that first barrel sec- right. section. Um, but then the second one, and you know it's coming, right? It's down at the end of the pool. And so what I found myself doing is just surfing for the barrel is, you know, staying ahead of the wave because it moves pretty quick. So just staying in the pocket, staying in the pocket, staying in the pocket, waiting for the barrel. Or if I could go back, I would just screw the barrel, just have fun on the face. I would do the exact opposite. I would 
strictly tuck in the pocket, even while it's crumbling, waiting for the thing to double. Yeah. Up. I mean, that's basically what I did, but it wasn't like, yeah, you blow the barrel and then, then so what? It should also be stated for listeners. Cause I've gotten this question a few times. Um, I guess they have the ability to program like 20 different waves they into can. the machine. So there could be, there is, I guess, a program that is a double up from the beginning to the end of the pool. And then there's a mushy wave for beginners from the beginning to the end and uh, everything in between. So I think them knowing that us are intermediate surfers, that we are intermediate surfers programmed it with like easy takeoff, couple of turns, then a barrel. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, the one, the one I kicked, I kicked out on, I'm a regular foot and I kicked out on the left. Like I got halfway down the pool and was just so bored of pumping down the line that I couldn't take it anymore. Like I honestly got bored surfing. Yeah. That's shocking. Ah, but I was, it was, I was bored. I was on, I was on my backhand. It wasn't barreling behind me. Right. Like I, I got one somehow that wasn't, or maybe it was, but it, I kept looking back waiting to stall for the pocket and there's just nothing there. So I was right. just this long ropey kind of left and I got tired of surfing it and wanted to ride again. So I just kicked out. Well, so that happened actually to Macintosh too. He got a right that just crumbled. Yeah, that's what mine didn't barrel crumbled, but then his ran off without him. Like there was no way it just broke in such a way that like you couldn't really get onto the face and then crumbled way down the line. So there are oddities occasionally, which is fun, I guess for us. I mean, the fact that oddities exist in that thing are fun, except, except for, for, professional competition it's not an oddity somebody somebody made that thing happen and you know for good i mean whether it was an accident or not they the wrong button got pushed right and yeah how do you what happens in competition right if you're a pro surfer and the guy before you had an epic double up you know whatever and you had this mushy thing do you get a mulligan yeah do you get a mulligan i guess good question yeah well it seems like in our case that was a variable that they did not engineer for yeah like they don't know what went wrong there or maybe they did after the fact they figured it out and they can adjust for it and maybe 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 mine was not wrong at all maybe it was gonna barrel and i just got bored before before i barreled maybe yeah yeah um i have a question about we're forced to look into that mirror and accept our status as intermediate surfers and maybe that's even giving us too much credit. Oh, yeah. Uh, how does that feel? And how do you feel about publishing that footage of yourself riding that wave? Oh, I mean, so for me, I've never once claimed to be a, a, a good surfer. I love to surf. I surf. Like, that's all I've ever said about myself. So it gave me no anxiety to publish because I've never once cl- made any real claim. Like, you know, I can on, a, on an ocean wave, that's the other damn thing is that surf ranch, the one move that I can do. Uh, I feel look good at, even though I probably don't look good is, is a good roundhouse cutback, like cut back, rebound off the whitewash back into the wave. Right. I feel real sick about it. It's the one move you cannot do at surf round surf ranch because the white water is not real. Like it's just the dissipated energy. And so the, basically the second your board touches the whitewash, you're off the wave. Like you can't catch back up to the, you get no bounce out of the whitewash. Um, so yeah, but for me, no, like I knew what I was and I think it, in the ocean, oddly, I think ocean waves just, you're used to the surfing ocean waves, right? Or I'm used to surfing ocean waves. And so I surf better in an ocean wave than in a surf ranch. So not only does it really show you what you are, but it shows you the worst version of what you are. You surfing the worst way possible. And so it's not, I don't think it's a very accurate. That's why I think it's a satanic mirror because it's not perfectly accurate. It's accurate enough and then slightly like darker and more off. I don't know if it's Surf Ranch's fault or because I've heard people talk about Jay Bay the exact same way. It's like Jay Bay will, 
highlight all of your flaws. Yeah. You know, so it might just be that perfect right handers highlight your flaws, not surf ranch. Derek, Derek, like in the wave to like, I think the little Marley section of snapper, like he says, Derek's assessment was that Kelly, uh, surfs that wave a lot. And that's one of Kelly's favorite little sections in the world. And so Kelly made this wave. That's that. And Derek doesn't like that wave. And so then you're stuck, uh, which is, I think why Derek didn't have the greatest time. Cause then you're stuck surfing this one wave that's a semi, you know, version of another thing <laughs> that you don't really like. So right. yeah, if they would have made the wave, like, I don't know what Derek's favorite wave is, but like, you know, whatever, say lower trestles, then mm-hmm. if you wouldn't have the best time ever. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. In regard to um, being a lifelong intermediate, I think that we all, all of our, I don't know, maybe this isn't correct for you. Maybe just for me, when I look back, my assessment of my own surfing is generally based on my best performances of course like i did a rad turn two years ago and in my mind that's how good i still serve sure even though i haven't done that turn since um and so it was a reflection that i'm not who i think i am like in on my best i'm not having my best day hardly ever i'm generally settling at the lowest version of myself but i think in the ocean when you get 15 waves you know per session or however many waves you average per per session you do one good thing generally that session like whether it was a real proper you know meaty bottom turn or a nice (laughs) little flick off the lip or you know uh, like an okay barrel or you do so you do one thing good maybe the whole wave isn't good uh but you did one thing good i think surf ranch you can do the whole thing and surf every part of the wave badly Right. Or or not badly, but you can surf every part of the wave below even what your potential is. Yeah. But again, if you had 15 waves that day, you still might get that one opportunity or that one moment where if you had it on video, you could be somewhat that, proud That's of the that. thing. I think, I mean, yeah. and, I, and I truly believe that if you, if anybody, if any intermediate surfer had 50 waves out there, you would surf that wave as good as you possibly totally. could surf it and would be also satisfied knowing that, okay, I've hit my ceiling. Yeah. This is this, there's no more growth for me here. This is the best I can surf yeah. and you know, be fine with it. But, but again, unless you're a millionaire or a billionaire, when is anyone ever going to get 50 waves at surf ranch? I don't even think you need 50. Like my thought that day when I was driving home was like, 
if I got six waves in one of those sessions, I think I'd be perfectly fine. I need like one or two to get the jitters out. Yeah. I need one or two to kind of like figure out the wave itself. And then the next two waves, I feel like I could actually surf to my ability level. Maybe, yeah. I mean, if you had six waves in a session, but even again, that would be you in the pool alone for an hour yeah. uh, in order to get that. And to me, it's just not very feasible. Uh, and and even if you did it, you would never get to do it again, right? I mean, that's right. the one of the things about surfing that's fun is it's so... Uh, it dissipates so instantaneously. A good surf is gone. You know, a, a good wave is gone before you, you're back out to the lineup, right? Right. But you can do it again and again and again and again every day. You can do it twice a day. You can do it four yeah. times a day. The ocean is always there. Where, again, the surf ranch thing, the good feeling or bad feeling, I guess the bad feeling lingers, but the good feeling dissipates. Uh, but then that's it. I mean, yeah. you can't go tomorrow. You, I mean, unless you're Kelly. If you got an invite to go back, would you go? Um, sure. I mean, now I'm, I'm fairly indifferent to it. I would go back, just, you know, catch a couple waves is fun enough. Uh, I would assume that if I was going back, it'd be with somebody fun again. So that would be fine. But yeah, I have no, I have no real desire. I will not go out of my way to go back. Like yeah. I won't write any more letters I, or not that I wrote a letter to begin with, but I won't, I will, I'll never lobby to go surf one of those things yeah. ever again. Like I feel like I know what it is. Uh, now and don't need to do it again. Hmm. I would lobby for it. Yeah, you should. You should lobby. I would. I would totally go again. Prodan, Prodan listens. Yeah, I. I would. I would totally go again just because it was fun. Like again, I don't know. A lot of people are. Tr- we're all trying to figure out how this relates to our ocean experience. And yeah. for me, it's kind of a moot point. It doesn't. Like, no, it doesn't. And I'm going to do both. And yeah. I'll surf on my way up to Surf Ranch and I'll surf on my way down. But I still want to go in there and get better at that thing. To me, what, because really all Surf Ranch is, and when you see it, it's just glorified wake surfing, right? It's like they put a totally. giant boat in a lake that could go fast enough to make this wake, uh, where it made me want to explore wake surfing more, I guess. Like if you had the right boat kitted out because then the wave wouldn't end. And if you were in a big enough lake, right, you could just cruise and really dial it in where I, it made me think that, or wonder if there's a bigger future in wake surfing than I ever, you know, I always just thought of wake surfing as a total novelty thing, right? but that's, that's all it is. That's all that plow running down that lake is just may as well be the hull of a boat. That's, you know, pushing, pushing water. Um, so you have not surfed since that day. I haven't. That was because my last arm. day in the water. Yeah. So what's the status with your arm and when do you think you'll be back in the water? I don't know. My, I mean, it was honestly, I couldn't move it for almost a month after that, uh, which I put my arm out of socket many times in my life. Um, this was the worst aftermath was I must've just damaged the last f- thread of whatever there was left to damage in there. So I have surgery in two weeks. Uh, and then I don't know that I think they say it's a, it's a three to six month recovery. Wow. But yeah, I'm sure I'll be in the water before six months, but yeah, it might be, it might be like close to a year off surfing. Is that the longest you've ever gone? Oh yeah. Yeah. By a long shot, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. By a whole ton. Um, so do you miss it? Um, yes, it's, I'm, what I miss is even thinking about the ocean. It's funny. Like I drove by the beach today. And I don't think about the beach anymore, right? I don't think about swells. I don't think about waves. I don't think about if something's coming. Where it's all those little parts about being a surfer, the way it kind of defines your life or at least orders your life. Like knowing that, hey, this Saturday or this Wednesday or whatever, I know a swell is coming. So, you know, I've got to be a little fluid here. Not having that anymore, I, I 
find my life just generally less satisfying. Really? Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I get, I probably get more. No, I probably don't even get more work done. The way you have to fit a surf into a workday means that you've got to be diligent about getting whatever work you have to get done done right and if you don't have that anymore if you just have days stretching out without any punctuation in them then stuff just gets lost and whatever yeah i feel i feel i am a worse human being oddly without surf i saw a question that was stated about you for you um it might have been in, in regard to the debate fallout or something that you had written a lot of what you were writing was negative mm, <laughs> or yeah. you were expressing a lot of negativity and somebody said they're like does Chaz still love surfing I don't think Chaz loves surfing and I'm not sure he even likes surfing anymore yeah I mean do I, I do love and I do like and yeah. probably the reflection of negativity may very well have been just for me not not surfing yeah like not getting back in the water yeah I um, of course being a narcissist I take the questions that are intended for you and think about how they affect me or what my stance is on them. And, uh, I question how much I like and love surfing currently in my life, you know, like as work becomes a bigger responsibility and life obligations become more, uh, there's just more of them. It's like, man, I like surfing served an important part of my life. It serves less importance now than it did, or maybe it would have more value if I actually did it more frequently or with the frequency that I used to do it. It might actually enrich all these other things. I don't know. I don't have enough time to go test that theory, but um, I question its role in my life, you know, as my life evolves and changes. I mean, I think sir, as surfers, we're, we're oddly all cursed to have experienced this thing that gives us, you know, great joy and then goes on to define at least portions of our life. Yeah. Uh, but then also, you know, at the same time, it's kind of a weight on everything you do. But I, I will say that, yeah, being out of the water, if, if you want to re rediscover your love, just mm. get hurt. And then, you know, but it's not that I'm watching more surf videos or anything, right? You just, I'm just generally, yeah. Yeah. I, I wish that I had that to order my life again. Yeah. All right. Well, the fact that I, um, am not hobbled and have the ability to explore it. I feel like I'm doing you a disservice by not surfing every single day. So I'll, but you shouldn't do that. I don't think, cause that's a way like people who like the surf dog guy. I appreciate appreciate the surf dog for being the surf dog, but I was never a surf dog. Have you ever yeah. been like, I got to get out there today. I've got to get yes. Derek's a surf dog. Derek yes. say, I've got to get out and surf. Even if it's the worst surf ever, I've got to be in the water. Yeah. I, I mean, I honestly, I've spent a decade of my life straight, like every single morning, at least checking the waves. Yeah. If, if not surfing at pre-dawn, yeah. you know, and I'm not doing that right now. <laughs> like right now, I, I kind of like, I'll go through, even knowing the waves are good, I'll go through a week where I know they're swell, but I'm just like not motivated to surf. Yeah. And then I just won't, you know? Yeah. So, um, well, let's move on. There's so much going on. Uh, we've got WSL news. There's some stuff happening in Hawaii. I wanted to actually talk about the value of being a writer kind of in relation to the debate and some of the topics we covered there. Mm. Um, there's a few things that just happened. You started applying for bartender positions to I, supplement your income. I did. <laughs> and then stab magazine is transitioning to a freemium model where they're going to charge for premium content. Um, all this stuff that they've always done is going to be free, but they're going to do additional Articles that they're going to charge 20 cents for. And the magazine uh, is dead too. Just like the, I said. Right. Poor Ashton didn't see that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> or, <yes. laughs> 
It was sad when you delivered that bit of wisdom to him. It was, um, it was sad that he defended that it was going to be around too. So I, I, I find myself lumping all these together under just kind of this question of what is the value of being a writer in surfing and outside of surfing? Is it equitable? Stabs obviously changing their model to make it equitable since print wasn't now we have to introduce a new uh, digital model beach grit you admitted is not a money-making proposition so what what are you actually applying to become a bartender yeah. as you stated if if any of your if any of the listeners to grit manage or own a bar and i'll come up to san clemente i'll go yeah deep san diego i'll i'll run like a 50 mile radius for my bar gig I think you should cast a little bit narrower net first, and if times get desperate, go 50 miles. Well, I mean, I already cast the net and got <laughs> not even a, not even a half nibble. So yeah. I don't think people thought you were serious. Yeah, I'm dead serious. So here, here's the thing for me, right? And, and I think that when I mentioned, I must have mentioned it here, and I've probably written about it. Oh, yeah, I mentioned it to Ashton, that uh, you shouldn't get paid to write unless your writing is, unless some, someone's willing to pay you, right? Correct. Um, and that's what I firmly believe. I think that came across like I'm a cheapskate and don't want to pay for stuff, which is hard not to see it that way. But for me, and if I could be allowed to state it better, I love riding more than I like surfing. I like riding more than anything I do. Riding is my favorite thing to do, right? And so I'm going to continue to write no matter what. I need to write. I love to write. I love to write. Like I may not be the greatest writer ever. I may not be. I'm not the greatest writer, but that's what I like to do. So instead of asking, since that's what I like to do, you don't go out and say, Hey, could you pay me to surf? You don't go yeah. run around and, you know, do a freemium thing or a fundraiser or something. Not that people who do that are wrong for doing that. Uh, but for me, since this is what I love to do, I'll just go get a job. And if that's what it takes for me to continue this and Derek and I are you know, Derek and I are both looking for job bartending jobs. And part of it is just because we're stuck in books and I love writing and I love writing books. And both of those things are, you can get money from them and I do get money from them. I make money, but I, I'm horrible at managing my money. And also the way the money comes in is weird, right? Like when I sell a book then you get a chunk up front and you get royalties, but the, the flow of cash is weird. So that's why I'm looking for bartending gig. Bartender, it's uh, cash business. You walk away every night with cash in the pocket. Exactly. And uh, you do it a couple days a week. That'll keep keep your pockets lined. Exactly. And I think that it's a, you know, everybody does GoFundMes and stuff like that where uh, I want to do, yeah, don't fund me. Just give me a job. Dude, I got a GoFund or I got a um, DM and you just get like a little snippet of what the image is that they're sharing with you, you know? Or it was a link to a GoFundMe page, and the image was a chick in a bikini. And it was like, hey, if you can do anything to help spread the word, please do. And I'm like, oh, okay, what's this? Click on it, open up the GoFundMe page. The chick, and she's like, hey, me and my friend are trying to become swimsuit models on Instagram. Amazing. Trying to become bikini models on Instagram, and we need camera equipment. And we don't feel right asking our parents for the money. So this is the Canon that I want. It's $3,700 with these lenses and blah, blah, blah. Can you help support our... I was like, oh my God, this is what we've come to. That's what we've come to. I mean, did, did they were they raising their money? Uh, I gave him 50 bucks. You and did? No, I'm just kidding. I was going to say, because to, if any of that, to me, the proof is in the pudding of a GoFundMe, right? Yeah. They're all kind of absurd. I mean, they're not all absurd, but let's say many of them are absurd. But if you can get it funded, then it's not absurd. Right. Like, that's all it is. 
Well, no, they had $70 funded out of their goal, which was, I think was thousands of dollars. So okay. no, I don't know who gave money. And to me, I'm just like, we don't need more Instagram models or, you sure, know, sure. but I agree with you. And I think this relates to the writing thing, which is if the market will pay for it, then by all means go for it. Like you're, you're worth whatever the market is willing to pay. No more, no less. No. And I don't care if you're male versus female versus whatever. It's just the most qualified person for the position and the market will decide which and going back to stabs you know freemium model like i'm very interested to see how yeah. this works um more power to them for trying to change it up it was clearly you know and I, and I think stab got stuck in i think stab stuck in a lot of stab has a lot of baggage that beach Crit doesn't have uh beach Crit's, you know <laughs> live and free yeah. uh stab began in this day and age where you could have kind of a big facebook following and then drive those to your website and, and get these clicks and then sell these clicks basically right. where Facebook changed their algorithm unless you just feed Facebook like a you know like a the hungry dog that it is you don't get those clicks anymore which Stab I think is not getting those clicks anymore that's why their bounce rate I mean not to talk about this more but that's why people click on Stab and leave right away because they're coming from Facebook and then they'll click and leave the second that they arrive because maybe they they accidentally clicked or that or that's not where they want to be so stab trying to figure this out like okay the, this old kind of model of you know mass social audience that turns into clicks is not going to work for them i don't think or not must not be working so where else do we get revenue that freemium model is interesting but again stab doesn't for my money stab doesn't do anything that's worth paying for like it seems like they're trying to do what the surfers journal is doing now like it's this high quality content that's not what Stab is in the business of making. And it's not easy to change into that, right? I think anybody thinks, uh, oh, we could do what the Surfers Journal is doing too. All we need to do is have better photographers and better writers or have our people write better and take better pictures and, and do this thing. But to me, the Surfers Journal is a standalone, unique property that exists and succeeds because Scott Hewlett, the editor-in-chief, is more or less a genius and the way he curates every issue of the Surface Journal is beautiful because he's great at doing that. Stab is not, not good. That has not been their business model. Uh, and they are not good at curating things that are meaningful and beautiful. So I have no idea unless all of a sudden, you know, they go out and maybe pay a ton of money to uh, really good riders. But then even then, now you're just paying more. I don't know who's going to pay 20 cents or whatever. Why not make Beach Grid a profitable business? I mean, we're trying. We will. And we're moving down that road, right? Like that Beach Grid is not a, uh, and has never been for Derek and I. This is why it's beautiful, I think. is It's because it's not a, a short game. This is a long game. And what the whole idea of Beach Grid was, was to fill a need that I think exists in surf media, which is for a place for really core interested people, right? People who surf a lot and love surfing and buy surfboards and want to discuss all this stuff, a place for them to come and not be fed with bad advertorial, not be fed with, you know, anything other than, Hey, we're building this community. And if to me, if we build that community and if there's a need for that community, which I think there is, then it will become profitable because there'll be real partners who want to come on and, and have come on and do come on to reach that audience with real things that these people want, right? Like to me, the idea that bad advertorial has to be a thing is utter nonsense. Like we have an audience, our audience needs and wants stuff. Like let's pair those things together. And if that takes 
10 years to build it properly, then so be it. Then I'm happy to sling drinks for all 10 of those years. It just seems like you guys already have built um, something that's viable that advertisers would want. And I'll be honest, what's worse for me than bad advertorial is the random ads that you guys have in between the article and the comments section where it's just linking to random clickbait stories on on Google. And it's like, okay, if you do that because it's profitable for the business, I have no problems. But if you're telling me that you guys can't even make a living and you're kind of devaluing maybe the, the page or the brand by having this random unrelated stuff, then who does that serve? I mean, you I know? think it, for my money, having that random unrelated stuff, it, it doesn't get Beach Grit stamp of approval. Once you do you know, bad advertorial, you we're stamping something. This is Beach Grit approved. And then you're down into stab zone of stamping everything like horrible products, silly ideas, you know, bad concepts with this is this. And that's become, I think stabs brand, right? I think stab is now synonymous with more or less. And I think across the, across the industry, that's how stab is kind of seen like, Oh, they do some good stuff, but there's also, you know, just a lot of bad stuff. And of course they're keeping the lights on. Uh, theoretically keeping the lights on and that's all fine and good. I just don't want that for beach grit. And so I'll, I would gladly throw up a thousand more, you know, silly Google ads that you can just look around uh, rather than taint the content. And at, at some point, again, I mean, beach grit, it's not, not profitable. It's totally profitable. Uh, it's profitable, profitable enough to pay for itself and to all the money we get now goes to the riders that we that we have on there, right? So from Warshaw to uh, Steve Shear to anybody who writes, you know, who uh, anything valuable, that's where the money goes. Derek and I just aren't drawing down. Right. And, so- and to me, if Derek and I were drawing down, that would mean we'd have to go do something silly. And if Derek and I can, can not uh, cannibalize Beach Grit and just, you know, I really, I really like Beach Grit. And if we can let Beach Grit be, uh, without needing stuff from it quite yet, then it'll be stronger. And that's what I want is a, I just, I don't know why in this day and age, why we can't just have good stuff. And I, you know, obviously beach grid is not good stuff in the traditional sense, but I think what we do is a lot of fun. Uh, what makes you think you're qualified to be a bartender? Oh, uh, cause I drink. <laughs> oh, is that all that yeah. that's required? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Passion for alcohol. I feel, I feel that, and I feel it would be a good. Uh, I could tell some good stories while tending bar. Like mm. I could get in some fun conversations with the patrons. Is that, isn't that all you need? I mean, there's an element of service required as well. Oh, sure. I mean, that's fine. I, I think you need to like, um, you know, be good with people. That sort of stuff. You're gonna have to like cut limes clean up after the night's yeah, over, yeah. things that, like that. That's okay. I'll do all that. That part sucks. Yeah, yeah. I, I probably saw, Have you been a bartender? No. Yeah. I've worked as a server for seven years when I was in college and stuff, and uh, that's where I developed my passion for wine. Oh, yeah. So I transitioned into just kind of dealing with wine in the restaurant environment, Yeah. which is kind of a bartender thing. But sure. You were a sommelier. Without the, without the classification, the actual like accreditation, okay. I guess. Um, all right, dude, WSL news. Yeah. Facebook pays $30 million yeah, to the 30. WSL for exclusive licensing rights for the next two years to broadcast all of the content. No more app, no more any, no more YouTube. The only place to see professional surfing live will be Facebook, right? As far as I can Apparently. Tell. Yeah. That's the way that I read it. And um, the, the, the latest story that came out, or the one that I cut and pasted yesterday or two days ago from Variety, yeah, said Sophie, I think, was quoted as saying, no more app done interesting so um 
I have not used Facebook for a couple of years. I have not, I mean, I still have an account, but like I have not posted on Facebook. I haven't replied to anything I've been tagged in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, this will drag me back onto Facebook. Of like I will become a Facebook user now because of this. I mean, but, but like funny, I have a Facebook account. I only use it. Or not only, I guess I'll, if somebody messages me on there, I'll, I'll do my best to respond. I'm, I'm pretty slow and bad at it, but I try. But um, I was never a Facebook person, uh, you know, through college or anything. I, I only got a Facebook account for Beach Grit um, and, you know, basically only post stuff from Beach Grit on Facebook. Um, but using it that way, I don't see I don't see what the big deal is. Right. I, I, I totally get what the big deal of people not liking this monopoly system and Zuckerberg and all that. But YouTube is the same thing. Right? I mean, it's owned by Google. So, I mean, in our tech space now, we have uh, four. We have Google, Facebook. Apple, is that it? Do we have three? I don't know. I mean, they, they talk about it. It's basically a monopoly. It's run by three or four giants, and you're in one or the other sphere. Uh, to me, that's a bad idea, but if that's the reality, that's reality. Facebook is no worse than Google and no worse than Apple, right? Yeah. And so can't you just go on to Facebook and use Facebook only for watching surfing and not engage and not interact? And I guess, of course, the hope is Facebook's hope, I would imagine, would be all of a sudden you're a participant again, right? Yeah, yeah, more time on the site, right? Yep. And I mean, there are guys, there are anti-Facebook people who like there don't are. have a Facebook account. Which, and I totally understand that, and I completely, like the people, I've read a lot of comments about this, the deal with Facebook and the WSL, where people are furious at Zuckerberg and furious at the idea of Facebook, book, which I totally appreciate and understand. And for those people, I would imagine, yeah, that I mean... Yeah, Facebook's or WSL's deal with Facebook is is a is a game changer and a and a killer. Like if you if you can't go watch it anymore, yeah, uh, that's a bummer. Right? I think they will though. I think they will create an account by and large and just to watch the content. But uh, like that's the thing, and and the WSL is obviously wa- walking this fine line. How easy is it to just turn off? Right, once the sport or the the competition side of surfing is not w- where you want to be anymore, like you're gonna refuse. Will you miss it? Like I don't miss when I'm mi- when I miss watching a surf contest, like when I'm watching one, I really like it and stuff like that. But, but I don't, you know, if somebody said you can never watch professional surfing again, I would think, Oh, and that's about how much, you know, <laughs> it would change my life. Did you watch the Vulcan pipe pro? I watched the final, uh, the, the semis and the finals. Yeah. I, I guess you're right. Uh, you don't know what you're missing if you've never seen it before you know so in that sense it would be gone i wouldn't i wouldn't miss it but when i do tune in to the vulcan pipe pro yesterday and the waves are pumping it's super exciting professional surfing i'm grateful that i did professional surfing professional competitive surfing is a fantastic thing yeah it's a lot of fun do you see any downside with this facebook thing personally i personally don't i mean i don't either uh i think that the upside theoretical upside is um Facebook with this spend, if it's, let's say, I don't know, you know, it's been reported $30 million, who knows where that's going or what that's for, but let's say that it's $30 million over two years. So let's say whatever, Facebook has put some money in here. It's not compared to what Facebook's worth is not a ton of money, but it's enough money. Um, And they're going to want return on this investment, which means Facebook with their algorithm and whatnot will drive more people to the WSL stuff, right? Exactly. Like, so more people will be seeing it theoretically which seems like a like a net gain for the whole thing seems like a net gain 
uh, on the WSL side to me. Like it was on YouTube before and their app. The only weird thing is, so I assume they owned their app, which means they owned their audience. Now they're killing their app and they don't have any ownership of their audience anymore. I mean, I guess, you know, people watching the WSL, they could claim NBA doesn't have ownership of their audience either, I guess. But uh, yeah, that seemed like, it seemed like a bit of a steep price to give up uh, your totally contained audience, which they never did anything interesting. They weren't doing anything interesting with the app, but they totally could have. Like I only go on the WSL app when there's a contest. I don't know why they weren't doing content that was going to bring me there every day. Sure. Yeah, um, you're right. The W or the NFL, for example, you know their biggest uh, their biggest asset is having football games on the weekends, which I guess was four months out of the year or something like that. But they have content all year round. Yeah, they have channels devoted to it and radio stations devoted to it and that sort of thing. Whereas the WSL doesn't necessarily. They have a much longer season, I guess. But um, yeah, I agree. Like, look, the WSL's biggest struggle all along has just been eyeballs finding more and more eyeballs and this is a shareable platform facebook has all of the eyeballs built in and it's a shareable platform so and i wonder too i mean i don't know how it'll look on uh when it's on you know but i would imagine there'd be like commenting going on underneath and stuff like that right you'd be talking to your friends about what you're seeing and that sort of thing which didn't exist obviously not in the app and didn't exist as far as i know on the website when you used to or you couldn't even watch on the website anymore could you on wsl yeah yeah you could Okay. Uh, but the the shareable thing, it's like, um, well, first of all, Facebook, I f- they're using a new term. They have like a new division, which is either Facebook Sports mm-hmm. or Facebook Live Sports or mm-hmm. something like that. And this is part of that new project. This is like, we're going to get involved in all these different sports and it'll allow us to stream live events. So I would assume built into that is a very... Um, savvy messaging commenting kind of real-time replies to people and stuff i i would have to imagine that's what it is because they're the ones who are best positioned in the world to do it and clearly that's what we want and we need. and which seems like a better platform anyway to watch yeah. like i mean the funnest part you know watching professional surfing is all fine and good but it's a lot funner when you have a friend there that you can you know poke fun at people or or be excited about something together and maybe facebook creates that you know automatically yeah, I think it satisfies a lot of the things that I've been requesting as a fan for a long time. So I'm all for it. I'm all for it to see how it plays out anyway. Yeah, no, I thought, I mean, the, the negativity about Facebook and Zuckerberg, again, I completely understand. And if people are throwing the WSL baby out with the Facebook bathwater, then more power to you. Uh, you know, I wish we all, frankly, I wish I could throw my damn iPhone into the street and watch it get crushed and then go out and buy some off-brand awesome new thing. Um, but it just, it's a real bummer that tech is monopolized right now in our world. I don't know how that changes, but beyond caring about that, it seems like awesome for the WSL. You know, I, I'm just not that big of a pessimist. I, I agree. I understand the dangers involved with monopoly and all that sort of stuff, but it's just, it's better for all of us. Like, we are all benefiting from this. And the reality is they adapt so quickly. It's crazy. So we want this thing where we can share the content and chat with people in real time. Facebook Live, Instagram Live, all this stuff. Give f- people feedback instantaneously. Stream it around the world all at the same time. And they're giving it to us. They're serving it up on a platter and they adapt again within a year of asking for something. They build them the technology for it and supply us with it. Like, I'm a fan. 
and it's free. Yeah, it is free. I mean, I'm yeah. taking the candy, dude. Yeah, take the candy. You take know? the candy. I'm I'm gonna wait. Like again, the tech monopoly thing bugs me. I'm too stupid to know why it bugs me. I just no. know I don't want an Apple phone, and I also don't want you know publishing online publishing. There's no real online publishing anymore outside of Facebook. Like uh, Beach Grit, we get a lot of uh, native clicks or whatever people who are just come you know who check Beach Grit every day as part of their routine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like if we Facebook has dinged us before, kicked us off Facebook, you know, for or put us in timeout or whatever a couple different times, and it's so brutal because you just watch your traffic get cut by a third, you know, where just because the powers that be thought you did something inappropriate, yeah, where that kind of stuff is like, ooh, I, I wish we could have a more diverse. But yeah, I, I agree. But what I'm saying with the adaptation thing is that whatever policy that was that they kicked you off for then isn't in place now, I guarantee it because yeah. they changed that quickly. Yeah. And I remember I heard somebody talking about uh, from Facebook saying that they're, they have so many different teams of engineers, right? And they're each, they're running on any given day, 10,000 different beta versions of different things on Facebook. That's crazy. Whether it's just a shareable function or a commenting function. So your experience on Facebook today could be a different experience than mine is because you're on one of those beta versions and I'm on a different beta version. And you know how they do that. There'll be ways that you share something yesterday, you go on today and it's slightly different. Yep. It's adapting all the time. The, you know? I guess the, the fear I have is that somehow I'll cross some invisible line at some point and Beechcrit will get kicked off altogether. Uh, and then we'll be like, oops, and you know, they hold they hold way more power than they should. That's for sure. And uh, you know, power corrupts and ultimate power corrupts ultimately. So Amen. that I see the dangers in that for sure. Um so in regard to WSL news, did you see this story? I saw a listener I think sent it to us through DM. It was a star advisor in Honolulu wrote a story about the Billabong pipe masters or the WSL maybe not getting permitting for the 2019 season that they were requesting. I didn't see this. Why? Okay. I'm going to read it to you real quick then. Um, at issue is allowing the WSL to move the Billabong pipe masters out of the familiar December dates to January on the 2019 schedule where it had originally planned for another event. Honolulu Mayor Kirk Caldwell who has the power to accommodate such requests, requests has taken issue with the WSL condemning what he has termed its efforts to usurp the permitting process. Caldwell said the WSL missed deadlines in the process and now they're trying to take dates that others have already apl applied for prior to the process being completed. 11-time world champ Kelly Slater said in a release, quote, I'm hoping we don't find ourselves in a situation where miscommunication or semantics around the permitting process drastically impacts the long history and tradition of Hawaii playing a crucial role in determining our champions. Six-time Triple Crown champ, sur uh, surfing champ Sonny Garcia in a statement said that the events keep Hawaii on the map as the surfing mecca and is much loved and respected by the athletes. The community loves these events and all Hawaiian surfers want the advantage in performing in their own backyard in front of their hometown crowd, end quote. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. WSL, throw well, his weight around. The mayor, um, the mayor's past, quote, anything you need, end quote, pledge to the NFL, apparently not extending to the folks who run the professional version of Hawaii's indigenous sport surfing. Two years ago, when the NFL wanted to serve alcohol at Queens Beach as part of their Pro Bowl event, the city swiftly plowed through an apparent or an apparently conflicting long-standing long ordinance to grant an exception. So I guess the mayor 
definitely makes accommodation for different organizations sure. along the way, but the WSL, not so much. Yeah, which, I mean, it's all fun good, I suppose, right? The NFL is a multi-billion dollar brand, and the WSL is a maybe tens of millions of dollar brand. Yeah. But yeah, ooh, uh, that's exciting, kind of. It's interesting to see how it played. I wonder if it's part of WSL's, uh, like, a part of the program, too, kind of like devalue Hawaii. I feel that once yeah. a wave pool came on wave pool is the future of the WSL, right? I mean, no ifs, ands or buts. I think it's the wave pool future. Of the WSL is wave pool plus specialty events, which would be, you know, what pipeline, what would the special probably pipeline bells, uh, Chopu. I mean, jaws in theory. I mean, sure. Yeah. Like a, a couple, like five, five or seven, yeah. like real iconic, J Bay. Yeah, waves, and that's it. And that's the entirety, you know, and obviously Trestles is gone now. So I, I would imagine they would disappear snapper pretty quick if they needed to. Yeah. Um, Western Australia would be gone, I would think, if the tourism board didn't pay for, for, uh, to hold that event. I mean, so how many iconic waves are there in the world? And by iconic, I mean like premium iconic. I would say less than 10. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you could do that. Um, yeah. And then have everything else be in a wave pool. Well, the devaluing of Hawaii is an interesting point. Uh, I feel like they've, the WSL has always been, or just different iterations of the WSL has always been beholden to the locals, mm -hmm. you know? And it's kind of like, well, we'll allow more trialists into this event for you guys that we don't have elsewhere. Um, because the waves are amazing and it is obviously Mecca. But I wonder if they do feel like they're being unfairly they're held to unfair standards in Hawaii that they aren't held to around the world. And if they don't like that, maybe, you know? but, but to, and if they're going to, uh, seed that ground to say Volcom, who I thought from what I saw and from everything I read to put on a phenomenal show. Right. I mean, oh, I, think yeah. I think people were really, really happy this year with the Volcom pro. Well, I would say Red Bull put on the show. You're a Red but Bull. Volcom sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I think from my understanding of it though, Red Bull and Volcom work in close and you know, Volcom has sign off on like, yeah, like a couple years ago, the one before last year, I think I was supposed to be one of the other guys and uh, the like sideshow they have and got cut out by Volcom. Um, because? Just be, uh, for whatever I'd written at the time that would have been anti-Volcom. Uh, but I, there was a lot of paperwork. And so, so I think Volcom is like has definitely their hand on the thing too, alongside yeah, yeah, Red Bull. Of course. All to say though, phenomenal show. Everybody loved it, as far as I could tell. You know, widely praised. And so, if the if the WSL sees that ground, yeah, I mean, to me, they really miss out, right? Like, you think so? I think the WSL really misses out because I think I think Hawaii, particularly Pipeline, will always be a focal point. Um, and if they're not the focal point, if the WSL is professional surfing, yet they don't have the one prime, they, they don't own the Super Bowl, then that's, that is a little silly it, for them. Is it only the Super Bowl though? I mean, it's been the Super Bowl up until now. I think if the WSL feels like they are being reasonable with the way that they're running the, the pipe masters and allowing locals into the event, the trialist event, all this sort of stuff, spreading enough money around for everybody and that local contingent is still not happy and they're still making demands then what else can the wsl do sure and i mean they can they can they can leave and but i, I just think that 
uh, it won't. I think Pipeline is a special enough wave and maybe the only wave in the world that is this special where you just have to have it at any cost, I think. Like you don't have Pipeline. Like you don't have to have Jeffrey Jeffrey's Bay. You don't have to have Chopu. You don't have to have any of the waves. The only wave you have to have is Pipeline. Yeah. And so you got to figure out whether it's you pay exorbitant costs, whatever you have to do, you have to keep it. And if you, again, give it over to Red Bull, if Red Bull all of a sudden gets pipeline, then to me, that's a, not a death knell for the WSL, but that's a, a severe blow. Unlike any blow that would have been struck in the past. Yeah. Well, um, it wasn't stated, but congratulations to Josh Moniz, by the way, who oh, yeah. won the Vulcan pipe pro. And I mean, the Moniz clan, obviously everybody knows the story. Like they're, awesome family doing lots of great stuff and surfing on all aspects like Kalia longboard, yep. all that Josh Moniz rips. Yep. And so does Seth, by the way, the footage of Seth and snapped three was insane, Unreal. Yep. unbelievable. So it's rad to see guys like that. Um, not only having really successful free surf careers, but then of course having success in contests. When Jamie O'Brien from the trials to second place, it, phenomenal with a 10 in the finals. Yep. So your directorial debut was who, who is J-O-B, Who is J-O-B? Right? I'm always rooting for Jamie. So watching watching Jamie put on a show and the fact that, yeah, Jamie, from what I could tell, uh, didn't put his paperwork in on time and so missed getting into the contest. So I had to go through the trials. So Oh, really? Yeah. So won the trials uh, or got, uh, I don't know if he won the trials, but he got whatever place he needed to get in the trials and then into the event. So went from trials all the way through to number number two, which is as good a story as Josh, I think. How poor of a reflection is this on surfing if everybody from Jamie O'Brien can't submit his paperwork on time yeah. to the WSL can't submit their paperwork on time for the permitting? It's a really good reflection, I think. It's surfers should not be by it's, the book sorts anyway. So it's just perfect that we're all so accurate. It's just messing up everywhere. Uh, it's so accurate. You and I have been around the surf industry for long enough. I could state like it is uh, the most lackadaisical industry that I've ever been involved in. Just sure. like don't plan on getting your email returned. Yeah. Don't plan on anything getting done before 10 a.m. because everybody's at the beach. Like, it's perfect, as it should be. Yeah. Um, well, I've got, in closing, I've got barrel or gnaw for you. But perfect. do you have anything else that you'd like to discuss? Anything? I feel there was one other thing, but I... F- Let's go. Let's go. Barrel and all. All right. If it comes up, yeah. shout it out. Um, and again, tease. We've got an upcoming story that we can't get into today, but it will be a big part of a show, an upcoming show. It'll be real fun. Big I teased, I teased on it on Beach Grip. People are people are waiting. I know. I've seen that. Yeah. I tease it too early. Um, all right. So barrel or not, using the word you like you. Oh yeah. I think not at this point. I think it was. It went through. I mean, maybe it's back to barrel. I feel it went through a long arc where a lot of people caught on way too late. Um, and so I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say, nah, I think it's an overused. Okay. It's overused. You as in Y E W the yeah. urban dictionary defines it as a word used to show excitement originally by surfers, but now used by non surfers. It's a onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia. Oh, onomatopoeia. Yeah. I didn't know that's how that was spelled. That's how it's spelled. Onomatopoeia, okay. like plop. Onomatopoeia, yeah, is a word that um, sounds exactly as it's spelled. Exactly. You. So you. would you ever use you? Uh, I'm sure I have before. You. Uh, but the kind of high register part of it, like having to go into because you can't say you. Yeah. Because if you're saying you, then you're just saying you as in the second person. Right. Uh, but if you so you have to do you. Yeah. Which I'm not very good at doing that, I don't think. Yeah, I'm not so comfortable with it. You. 
Maybe yeah. if it sounds good, the listeners can say if they like it, then I'll I will take it out of the knob bin, put it into the barrel bin, and start using you. All right. As for now, it's a nah. All right, barrel or nah, masturbation. This is a quote directly from you on Beach Grit. It says, in relation to everything, orgasm, heterosexuality, style, to be able to fight the good fight, I think masturbation cripples people. It doesn't cripple them altogether, but it turns them askew. It sets up a bad and often enduring tension. Yeah, I'm going to say masturbation, nah. Nah for masturbation. Nah for masturbation. Okay. Yeah, you should just go out and get it. I mean, go out and get what? I mean, go out and do what you need to do, right? Okay. Don't don't do the don't do the easy uh, artificial version of what you need to do. Why not? Because it's lazy. Mm. Yeah, it skews it skews humanity towards a lazy, poor, yeah, down a lazy and poor path. So self kind of immediate gratification prohibits, let's say, or stymies drive to go out and accomplish and attack and get and all that sort precisely, of stuff. Precisely, precisely. And not, not even, you know, as it comes to sex, say, with masturbation, not even in a, uh, like, a predatory kind of way. I think being a sexual predator does not have the good name today that it once did. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, but, but going out and working hard at, you know, either finding somebody that you, that you want to be sexual with and doing the right things to be sexual with them or whatever the case. Right? So, nah. Okay. Yeah. So let that energy and the tension build. Exactly. And expel it in a much grander fashion. Precisely. Okay. I'm with you. Nah yeah. for masturbation. All right. Using lyrics in an Instagram caption, barrel or nah? Um, I'm going to say barrel on this one. I'm going to say using lyrics anywhere is totally barrel. You think? Oh, man. Half my half welcome to paradise now go to hell. All the chapter titles are a lyric from a song I was listening to when I began that chapter. I'm always throwing lyrics into stuff. Like, Do you credit it? No, never. I just throw it into my whatever I was writing, just randomly and no credit. Hmm. Yeah, I'm a real fan of that. Okay. Except for, it can really bite you in the behind as uh, two Russian, or it was uh, in Paris, it was the couture shows, I think last week or maybe the week before, the real fine, you know, couture fashion yeah, shows. Yeah, sure. Um, and one uh, Russian model sent to another Russian model uh, the line from Jay-Z and Kanye West, very famous song, which really stuck on this one, Blank in Paris. Okay, yeah, you know yeah. The song? Yeah. Very famous. So she sent her For My Blank in Paris, because she was in Paris, uh, on a bunch of roses. And she, one of them took a picture and put it on Instagram and then both of their careers are now just in the gutter. I mean, no they, it's like the biggest scandal ever in couture that, yeah, that it's two white people called each other that amazing. Yep. Um, okay. So I'm going to expect to see some lyrics on Instagram this week and I will, um, if you don't credit them, I will try to decipher them without the help of Google. Okay, perfect. Let's do yeah. it. It'll be like a little game. Listeners can chime in in the comment section. Perfect. Uh, all right. Final barrel or not. Nah. Board transfers. Oh, yeah. Board transfers to me are, I don't understand the physics, I don't think, because so I wrote about it about a board transfer at Jaws. I think it was Dom Key who was yep. doing it, um, going from his soft top to his skimboard. I'll find a good, like, you know, Jamie Bryan does them all the time. It's fun to watch, pretty awesome. But um, I can curiosity is what happens to the giant foam thing especially at a place like jaws where you but i didn't see in donkey's board transfer i didn't see the foam board that he transferred off of 
uh, going over the falls. It seems like it just kicked out behind him. Is that always what happens to the board? Or mm-hmm. sometimes does it careen this you know, empty board careen through the lineup? It careens every time, I think. And even with Domke's board, it got blown out the back on that wave, yeah. but probably careened with the, on next, the next wave. wave. Okay, yeah. yes. And that's, to me, crazy deadly, right? I mean, nothing is more deadly. I guess the only thing more deadly than a board careening by itself is a board careening with a kook on top of it. But true. outside of that, like yeah. this board, sending boards through the lineup, I don't think is a good idea. And what if it's a soft top, though? I mean, Less dangerous. Theoretically, but if you get hit... Uh, you know, sure, at, out at Cardiff Reef, if you want a board transfer and send your soft, soft top through the lineup, the worst that's going to happen to somebody is they're going to get maybe a little bruise. Right. But at Jaws, I would imagine it could not only take your head off, but definitely could knock you out. And right, if you're not expecting this thing and all of a sudden there's a soft top flying at 50 miles an hour, I mean, you're you're really in a in a world of hurt at that point. He careened his skin, skimboard into the other surfers on that wave too when he ate that, it. That was even more deadly. Yeah. I, I mean, then the soft top because the skimboard obviously is like what, two centimeters thick? And like so, a razor blade. Yeah, an honest to goodness razor blade yeah. just flipping out, flying out at you. So your stance on board transfers is to do with the danger involved of the forgotten board. Kind of, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like aesthetically, I think it's funny. You know, it's a, f- it's, I like it a lot better than being towed into something because of course, Dom Key could get towed in to a, uh, to a wave on his skimboard too, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, if the alternative is being towed, then I'm all for, you know, even danger be damned, I'm all for a board transfer. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm always real curious as to what happens to the, the foam board. Right. Yeah, see, my, my problem with it wasn't the danger element. It's just, I feel like you should ride the right equipment on a given wave, or that should always be your goal anyway. You might be underprepared on a given day, but that skimboard at Jaws seems like the worst possible equipment to ride. Like he's barely hanging on for dear life. Yeah, that, uh, so the, and, I, and I'll totally grant you that, that I've seen Dom Q ride his skimboard phenomenally. Like I'll, those, those um, uh, he did it down in Puerto Escondido, right? Yeah. And it did, those waves looked pretty awesome on his skimboard, uh, but the Jaws wave didn't look quite right, honestly. Like it didn't look like he was surfing it well or... Yeah skimming it well or whatever right whatever you want to call it yeah all right uh so that's not for you not for masturbation yes for lyrics which is the one i thought for sure you would go not yeah. on and then a not for board transfers yeah all right it's a lot of it's official see it's me being negative out of the always surf. dude uh final thought by the way on the debate you got a lot of negative feedback about it from your own commenters even sure, not sure. just from ashton no everyone everywhere yeah uh how does that affect you oh it makes me happy that I mean, <laughs> that people are listening and engaging i mean that's all i ever want from people is uh not just to listen but i want people to engage and whatever i do uh if it causes like engagement with somebody and that's the i think i've i used to do things just to get a reaction right i don't feel i do that anymore my in the moment tension with Ashton was genuine and heartfelt and real, right? Like yeah. I was not happy with him. I wanted to yeah, jump over the table and all of it. Um, so yeah, but, but so if I have a heartfelt reaction and you say as the, as the audience of that, that was a bad reaction to have awesome. Like, I'm glad that we got to share that moment, right? Even if you say you like, you're a pathetic tool and da 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 da, like, great. I'm, I'm super happy for that moment right there. Does it, um, I don't know, make you want to redirect course at all? Um, no, 
No, never. Uh, it would make me if again if we were doing the show tomorrow with Ashton, I'd jump across the table, at, uh, you know, and get in his face too. Um, because I didn't like what he said. I can't, yeah, but no. It never makes me really think. Sometimes it does, but this one, do other things too. I need to rethink the way I deal with anger uh, coming out of that one just for ver- various other things. Uh, but yeah, no. All right. Yeah. Where can uh, bar owners contact you? Bar owners, feel free to send an email to in uh, Greater San Diego chaz at beachgrit.com and if you've got a bar if you're listening out in bondi or greater sydney send an email to derek at beachgrit.com where would they dm you if they wanted to find you on instagram if you want to dm me you can you can look at at reports from hell and go right in there i will respond with so much happiness i'll work for i don't know i'll work for less than minimum wage if i can keep the tips tips and drinks yeah i think that's a fair payment that's all i need all right whiskey right well whiskey and we'll even make a beach grit night i'll i'll popular populate your bar on the days i'm working there can be beach grit night and i'll bring in whoever clientele wants to come in awesome just don't say anything about his wife guys don't i'll jump over the bar but bart yeah we'll have a bouncer on hand just for that <laughs> all right well uh beachgrit.com and then of course surfsplendorpodcast.com and then on instagram at surfsplendor everything we discussed in this show we will post footage of photos of all that sort of stuff all right Chaz. you until next week get barrel get barrel All right, in closing again, thank you, Matt Parker at Album Surfboards, albumsurf.com. It's where you can check all of their work out. And then, of course, I want to thank Health IQ for supporting this show. Um, if you'd like to support this show, support Health IQ. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor is where you go to save money on life insurance for living a healthy lifestyle. Health IQ has changed the model of life insurance. But they are also just influencing individuals to live longer by living a healthy lifestyle. They are a very forward-thinking startup company. I mentioned to you previously that they um, encourage healthy lifestyle by doing simple stuff like not keeping not only bad food or junk food in their offices, literally no sugar in the office. They do midday yoga classes at the office. So the company's founder had a health scare at age 37, and he radically changed his life because of it, became a marathon runner, lost 40 pounds over the course of two years, and he realized through that process that just being health conscious is hard work, but it really benefits society as a whole. If you have healthy people living longer, not taking a toll on the healthcare system, it's better for everybody involved. So he founded Health IQ with the goal of improving world health by financially celebrating the health conscious instead of harassing those who are not healthy. So if you need life insurance, or if you already have life insurance, but you want a better rate based on living a healthy lifestyle, support Health IQ, support this podcast, and save yourself money. HealthIQ.com slash SurfSplendor. I also have a link to Health IQ on surfsplendorpodcast.com along with all of the things that Chaz and I discuss in today's episode and the beautiful boards displayed at Album Surfboards. All right, so come over, check that out. I have a comment section. You can leave a note about today's show. You can check out all of the other episodes of Surf from the Surf Splendor Network, including that episode that we were talking about with Jamie Brissick. It's one of our most downloaded episodes to date. 
Jamie really brought great stuff. And then I actually reconnected with him to discuss our day at the Surf Ranch. So a real detailed conversation about the Surf Ranch with Jamie Brissick and Matt Warshaw. That was published last week on Surf Splendor. So you can check that episode out. Also did a recent episode with Manny Caro of Mandela Custom Shapes, um, getting into real detailed discussion about surfboard design. So check that out as well. We got tons of stuff, 200 past episodes in the archives on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Lastly, rate and review the show in iTunes. That helps strangers to find this show. That's part of our marketing efforts. We do not do any marketing at all. I focus almost all my energy on creating this content. So if you can help by marketing this show, sharing it with friends, real simple stuff like that, tagging them on Instagram uh, in one of our posts, that just helps this show to grow. And again, the more we can grow this show, the easier it is to attract great guests like Jamie Brissick, Matt Warshaw, Clark Little, all the stuff that you've been hearing recently. So do your part. I'll keep doing my part. All right. Thank you very much. I'll be back in a couple of days with an episode of Spit with with Scott Bass covering the latest in surf news. You can get that, of course, on spitpodcast.com or just open up your search function in your podcast app and search Spit Surf and you'll find us there. Until then, get back in the ocean, get a couple of waves and shred on. <laughs>